All right, welcome to the Hope City Drip. And uh, this is a podcast of Hope City Church uh, here in Clinton, Iowa. And our goal with this podcast is that we would um, be able to give you a vision or a mission drip. You'd be able to hear the, the mission and the vision of our church, uh, and you would be able to digest it at your own pace. So whether you're a stay-at-home mom and you got littles running around and you barely got any time to do some sustained reading or thinking, um, just have this on in the background. Or whether you're a shift worker and you know, you're driving weird long hours to commute, uh, whatever you're doing, we hope that this is just a blessing to you to be able to learn more about our church and to be um, equipped to live life on mission for the glory of Jesus and the joy of our local community here. And I'm here with Ben, and my name is Nick. And so we're, uh, our goal with this, this discussion, we just want to talk about life around the table. So one of the things that we're doing as a church plant is we're going through the book of Luke. And the book of Luke, we're not taking the whole book, um, you know, we're not looking at every little piece of the gospel of Luke. We're focusing in on the scenes uh, where Luke tells a story about what Jesus was like around the table. And so uh, as a church plant, we're not doing everything, we're doing some things. And the some things that we're doing, we're trying to be most like Christ for the sake of reaching the lost. And what we're focusing a lot of our time and energy on is living life around the table, like really ordinary stuff. If someone asked me or I think anyone in our church, like, what is it that you guys do? I think that one of the things people would say the most, right, is we eat food together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think in that way, it's really exciting for me to do ministry uh, in this church planting context because it's so ordinary and yet it's so relational. And so when I when I read the scriptures and I read about Jesus, I'm like, man, Jesus was just relentlessly relational. And one of the things that Jesus prioritized, it seemed like, and this is going to sound weird, but Jesus prioritized partying. I I like this movie Hot Rod and I wouldn't necessarily condone it, you know, I can't, I can't give a formal, this is what for your pastor is telling you to go watch is the movie Hot Rod. But I do like the movie. I think it's hilarious. And one of the lines in there is they, they're sitting around in a circle and they're like, hey, my name is Rod and I like to party. And then Rico is like, I like to party. And they're like, no, 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 I'm, I like to party. And, uh, and I feel like if Jesus were introducing himself to people, he'd be like, my name is Jesus and I like to party. In a very holy and, you know, God-glorifying way, Jesus, I think, partied the best. And so as a church, we want to be able to party like Jesus. And I don't think that that's just being uh, cheesy and cliche and um, cute. I think that partying is one of the most important skill sets for a missionary that we can, like, hone. Um, And so uh, that's just what I want to talk about with Ben. And so really just to set the scene real quick, um, there's a reason in which we prioritize partying and gathering together. Um, I like to think of it as the why and the how of Jesus. So as you think through um, doing ministry, uh, as we think through living our life as a church plant here, trying trying to do things uh, for the glory of Jesus, uh, one of the things we want to focus in on is why Jesus did what he did. Why did he come to the earth? Like, why did Jesus, like, what was what compelled Jesus to live the way he lived? So that's Jesus's why. Uh, and then we want to look at how he went about that. Like, what did Jesus do? What were his methods? Like, all that stuff. And so the why of Jesus is, uh, you could say, his mission. So Jesus had a mission. 
And uh, Luke, just to stick with the gospel of Luke, Luke 19 says that the son of man, so that's Jesus, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus's mission, his primary mission was to move towards those uh, who, who were lost without hope, without God, outcast, exiles, you know, these folks that were lonely and, uh, and Jesus went towards them and uh, invited them to follow him into abundant life, into eternal life. So Jesus fundamentally, his mission was to seek and save the lost. Well, how did he go about doing that? That's a great question to ask. How did he go about doing that? And one of the things we read in Luke 7, which is super interesting, it says, uh, the son of man uh, came eating and drinking. Let's see this. Yeah, the son of man came eating and drinking. And, uh, and people said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so one of the things that we find in the story about Jesus is that he earned a reputation of being a drunk and a glutton because he was around drunks and gluttons, because he was at parties, because he was feasting and he was doing a lot of life with those that the religious moral people looked down on and said, ah, you shouldn't spend time with them. They're all super messed up. So that's the why and how of Jesus. And like any good Christian, we recognize that becoming like Jesus is the goal. And so as a church plant, we want to match our why and our how with Jesus. So why does Hope City Church exist? Well, it's to seek and save the lost. Uh, how do we go about doing that? Well, we uh, we gather together and eat food. <laughs> That's one of the hows. So, Ben, I just want to like, I want to kick it to you and say, what have you been, is this your Jesus? Like, have you, uh, have you experienced Jesus in this way? Like in a very relational kind of, around the table, like whatever, like, is this, is this a Jesus you resonate with? Now? Yeah. I, when I first got saved and started reading the gospels and even growing up, you know, you think of Jesus as like robot Jesus, <laughs> like super strict, like everything you read in there is him, right? Like do this, don't do that. And so, um, when I got saved, I was in an amazing life group and, uh, Tom, Natalie and Phil, we did life around the table. We ate together every week. And hung out even more. And but this isn't at our church. No, this right. is a uh, right at River at River Church. So, right. Um, yeah, that was amazing. We sat around the table, cooked meals together, shared life, got to open up. So it's, it's great. It was a great platform. The table is a great platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially in the last year or so, um, even when I was still in Austin, just really looking at the personality of Jesus and trying to figure out you always hear these things about him being kind and he's after our joy. And so really trying to read between the lines in scripture about how that is and how he's doing that rather than just like reading it as robot Jesus, robot Jesus, (laughs) robot Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people uh, can sympathize with that. Like I think a lot of people think of Jesus, especially people that have grown up in the church uh, like myself is that I, I read the Bible and I see Jesus interacting with people and I just feel like, He's kind of floating into rooms with his hands folded and he's like, I'm saying the right thing always. <laughs> it, like Jesus isn't a, isn't a person you want to be around. He doesn't seem real. And, uh, and I don't know where that came from necessarily. Um, I don't know if it's just because, you know, I grew up thinking it's mostly about rules and morality or whatever. But yeah, I, I just felt like robot Jesus. That was the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah. That's weird. Do you, okay, so you were at a life group and you you like 
you were, you had this awesome experience around the table, building relationships, all that. And then you moved to a very postmodern, um, like bigger city, Austin. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there was any sort of difference? Like, um, what was life around the table like in Austin? Yeah. Um, this is kind of hard to remember cause my last large stint of my time, there was COVID time. So it's like, oh, it was yes. normal. COVID time. Um, <laughs> uh, but down in like, in like bigger cities, it's different cause people don't really have gatherings in their house necessarily. It's always, let's meet at this coffee shop right. and it's like late at night or let's meet at, you know, this brewery or this place to hang out, this park, like they're, they're outside of the house. So the table isn't necessarily like a physical table. It's, you know, blanket in the park or it's the coffee table at the shop or mm-hmm. something like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, the theme overarching theme is still there, but as far as like, I prefer the house table because it creates much more of a vulnerable, um, an abil- like a space for vulnerability to like emerge yeah. and for real chance rather than like if you're at Starbucks and right. there's a billion people around and you're like trying to talk to someone about something you're going through and it's like nope just gonna drink my flat white and enjoy like our conversation here like right surface level stuff so um but the the idea of it was still there the right of the table interesting the, was it like uh do you feel like it was more family uh, oriented like like when i when i'm in the when i'm in a house it just feels oh. more like around the table is more like a family yeah whereas i'm at starbucks and i'm just like I don't know. At Starbucks, I feel like it's a business meeting. Yeah, I was going to say sometimes with, not all the time, especially with people like I loved and were my close friends and my family down there, that's different. But it definitely, there is a difference. Yeah, when you're around the house table, it does feel more family oriented, like the the safety yeah. of it rather than going to a coffee shop or something like that. It feels, yeah, not as secure. Yeah. I guess is a good word. Do you feel like in Austin you were able to build relationships that <clears throat> that were like Jesus centered relationships? Uh, like, do you feel like you were able to do ministry around the table? Uh, like, like because in in Clinton, you know, through the river, like you experienced with that life group, like there was Jesus stuff happening there. Mm. And then in Austin, you were at a church, like you were at a church plant, right? Yeah. Um, you were doing a lot of you were serving and doing a lot of ministry stuff was was the bulk of that ministry done around the table or was is it done somewhere else so we had like life groups that we met and yeah the theme of the table is kind of like what i was talking about so that was kind of nice because it allowed me to meet people i intentionally joined a group that i didn't know anyone in i was Mm -hmm. really blessed to go down there when i moved i had already met some people and had good relationship with so i intentionally joined a group i didn't know anyone and yeah, it'll crown, it created this space to like, I guess I'm different. I'm a weird person where I'm like, I know what this is for. Like, I'm not going to try and like beat around the bush. Like, sure. I know I need this. I know we all need this. So I'm going to just like dump off the deep end and like, Hey, like here's my life. Right. Uh, so that was kind of cool. And then allowed me to create some new friendships that way and help other people in that way. Um, but then a lot of it was more so, uh, just one-on-one meetings with people on me or, with my my group of friends, you know, just kind of doing our mini table uh, and doing life that way. Yeah, yeah. Was it hard to build relationships in Austin or was it easy? Uh, depends on your personality. I mean, sure. I'm not like the most like, like out there guy just going around and like shaking everyone's hands and yeah. kissing babies and stuff. So. 
Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily hard because it's a town full of young adults. So it's if you're a young adult and everyone wants to meet each other because they're all transplants. Yeah. That's a good area. But um, as a Christian, if you're, I guess I'm really intentional and I'm really different about who I let close to my life. I want to make sure that our values match and everything. So that was kind of hard because of the postmodernism of Austin. Um, I made great friends in the workplace that I was at, but they weren't people that I was going to like share the depths of my soul with. Sure. I was more so wanting to like be there for them and support them. Right. How did growing up in Clinton, like, how do you feel like that has shaped your, I don't know, your life around the table or your desire for what life could look like around the table? It made being around a table normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, let it, like our family would eat around a table. And then when you go to your, like you're going to your friend's houses to hang out and would either eat with their family or like eat pizza on the couch while you're playing video games or something. But um, it, it was all together. You yeah. know, I, I was, when I was in Austin, all my friends were from Denver. And they don't eat around tables at Denver. They 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 just eat on the mountain. They just yeah. They just eat There's on. No the There's no tables. There's no tables in Denver. It's just rocks. They were really weird with these four like leg shapes. Were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just Iowa. It's only it's the only <laughs> state that only has tables. tables. <laughs> only tables here. Where are these things? Uh, um. Quick uh, sidebar. So I used to I used to tour in a band, and I always said to people that Iowa was the Shire. So I always think about like I don't know anybody Lord of the Ring nerds like I uh I, I think about like Bilbo Baggins you know the scenes like in those Hobbit houses and all the food and just the warm hospitality stuff like cheeses and stuff like all over the place oh, I'm yeah. just like man that's what I associate life in the Midwest to be like oh exactly that's how so it kind of goes on your topic of how Clint raised me that's when I was in Austin I was like the most Iowa I had Iowa pride yeah and. Everyone got kind of annoyed by it, but like they they'd call me uh, Ben from Iowa. Like, did you have a native? Like, do you have any of those stickers that says "native" on it? <laughs> I do on my, on my old laptop. I do. I don't on my yeah. car. I had a your ray gun t shirts you were wearing. I had a uh, I have Hawkeye license plates, so that was great. Yeah, you do oh, absolutely okay. Um, it is the no, Hawkeye like, state, but it's like it is a thing to be proud about. Yeah, like, it is like family oriented, small town. Um, you're not scared, like, you know, your neighbors, all this kind of stuff. Whereas like these people growing up in the big cities didn't know their neighbors. Like they're used to just living in apartments and kind of secluding themselves or, you know, decorating an Ikea way because that's like the modeled for an apartment where you can't really paint or something like, sure. Um, so <laughs> not saying that, like I have experience with any, like owning a house and decorating, but sure. Um, no, it's like, it's really something I, I value. And uh, it was weird going to Austin and going to a different city. And the norm was going to spend money to hang out. Uh-huh. And like, like having to go to a coffee shop or to a brewery or to a restaurant or something. It's like, do you guys just want to like come over? But yeah, you know, you everyone's so spread out, especially in that city. Like it's like 45 minutes to go to someone's house where you can meet halfway at 20 or something like that. So, right. Um, but yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. I was talking with some guy, a buddy of mine, he's planting a church in Denver and he he's like in the really early stages. And a lot of people have tried to plant churches in Denver. Um, it's like, from what I've heard, it's actually kind of a church plant graveyard. Uh, but it's, he's, he's planting a church in Denver 
And, uh, and there's a ton of need to plant churches in Denver. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of lost people there, just like any of the big cities in America. There's more and more folks moving there and there's less and less churches. And so, you know, doing the math, there's, there's a need there. But I remember him saying to me that he was talking with somebody like a, a ministry leader in, in Denver. And the guy was like at the coffee shop all the time and mm-hmm. was trying to, invite people to his house because he was doing something similar to what we were doing. Like each, you know, each week we host a gathering of people just to try to do life and talk about Jesus and pray for one another. And he wanted to do that thing in his house in Denver and nobody would come over. Like mm. he was in this coffee shop constantly. And, uh, the coffee shop owner finally was, he was there and, uh, the guy was like, dude, why don't you come over to my house? Like I, what's wrong? Like what's going on? And the guy's like, that's just weird, man. Yeah. It's just weird. I don't want to go to your house. And in the Midwest, I take for granted that people just like come over to houses and watch games and drink beer and, you know, like uh, play in the yard with bags. And like, it's just it's just something grilling out. Like, it's just something the Midwestern lifestyle. It's just part of it. And whereas in like these bigger cities, it's a little bit more like, yeah, we'll go to the brewery, the coffee shop or or the park. Yeah. But like my safe space is my apartment. Yeah. Or something. Like you can't like, you have to like, um, like those five, we were talking how, how many weeks ago about the five levels of communication, mm. like level five secure is like, you can come to my apartment, but I'll meet you anywhere else. Yeah. But like if, if I trust you and I know you, you can yeah. come in, which is like, so I don't want to say counterintuitive, especially nowadays, but like around here, I mean, you guys are welcoming anyone into your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to be like that too, but. Um, yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. And that's a good way to put it. Like, yeah, this is like my safe, my vault. Yeah. Like no one gets the key or the passcode. Yeah. (laughs) You know, an an interesting thing is, is I think it's like that too in Iowa a little bit like in Clinton. Like I think, you know, a lot of people I know, um, a lot of family members I know, they have jobs that are just really difficult and they're really mentally taxing. And, and honestly, most people view their home as their castle, I think. It's their, their comfortable, safe place that they can come in, they can watch their TV, um, you know, they can put their feet up and, and like the day's been tough, but at least at home, it's, it's going to be a safe, comfortable place that they can rest. And I sympathize with that. I'm like, yes, I want that. You know, um, there are so many nights where I just want to like hang out uh, by myself, do what I want to do. But I see the way that, you know, Jesus was able to leverage, um, like doing life around a meal table. And I'm like, I want that, you know, because, you know, if if my mission is like, if Jesus's mission is to reach the lost, I want my mission to be reached the lost. Well, where are the lost? Well, they're not in my house. Mm -hmm. They're somewhere else. And, uh, and so finding folks that don't know Jesus and don't have hope, like, how am I going to show them Jesus? Um, I think the days are gone of when you could stand on the street corner and just like holler about doomsday and holler about going to hell and you know, that you need to repent. And it's like those, those things, they're divorced from relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think people are just, they're just intolerant of that stuff now. Um, most people are like, I don't, I don't know you, so I don't care what you have to say. And so, you know, it's, it's important for us to, I think, think through, well, how, okay, so how can I show people that Jesus loves them? And how do the, how do I show them I love them? Well, I don't know any other way than like being with them yeah. and, 
and being at the meal table seems to be the most practical way to do that because otherwise I'm constantly spending money going out to restaurants. Um, you know, I'm constantly away from my family, meeting people one-on-one or whatever. Uh, think about all the different ways we can meet people. Um, our workplaces is another great place, but, but for, for just for, for simplicity's sake, like this podcast is about life around the table. And I think personally, my personal conviction, it is the most doable form of ministry and outreach because everybody's got to, got to eat. Yeah. Like, and so specific, but what I'm curious about is like when you were, so when you were growing up, like, okay, you went to Iowa when you Mm -hmm. went to college, um, which is known for being a party school. Like were the parties you were at, at college, were they, do you feel like you ever thought about Jesus being at those parties? (laughs) I thought you were like, how was life around the table at your kegger at your college? (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. But that's what everybody, I think that's what everybody associates a party with. Oh yeah. You know, like shotgun and beers at like the dorm in Iowa city or tailgating or something. When I see Jesus in the gospel of Luke being called a drunkard, I'm assuming the guy's around something similar to an Iowa city party. Oh yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? Like he obviously was spending time with people that were associated with kind of how we associate Iowa city. Yeah. Oh, just a bunch of drunk college kids, you know? And Jesus is there. What's Jesus doing? Like, did you ever think about that? Like, no, you were just like partying. Like most people. No, I was not thinking about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> in my four years at, at Iowa. Was I not, don't think, yeah. I don't think many people were. Right. Are. <laughs> so what I find interesting is there's a sacred secular divide there is that there's like the secular party where there's, lost people, debauchery, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And then there is sacred gatherings, which is church, Bible studies, um, one-on-one discipleship where we're going to pour over the scriptures. Uh, This is a, like, Jesus didn't walk around inviting people to church. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, He apparently went to something like an Iowa City kegger. Yeah, that's what I was going to say when you're talking about when you we're just talking about life at the table and that's the best way to do ministry. We don't want to discredit that you have to go meet the people. It's not like you are just sitting at your dining room table in here like with the door open just sitting there like <laughs> wait, like like tapping your feet excited right. for someone to walk right. in the house, but like um like he, at some point you have to walk down to you live in Lions area. So at some point you would have to walk down to Lions Tap or Main Avenue Pub or whatever. And meet people. Now we're talking. Yeah. But that sounds really offensive to people who are growing up around the church or, or maybe even people that aren't, they aren't following Jesus, but they're like, nah, that's not what Christians do. They don't go to the bar. Because I feel like... Then in, show, them, show them that verse. <laughs> show them. <laughs> but I, but isn't it... Like, why do you think there's so much tension around this? Like, why do you think it's weird for a Christian to go to a party? Because we don't want to, there's been such a, I mean, not that it's wrong, but there's been such a draw to not pollute your soul. Mm. Like once you're saved, like seclude yourself away from that, like seclude yourself away from the world and like be holy. Yeah. Like bad company corrupts good character or whatever the saying is. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that's all bad, but you're just creating a little Christian country club here. If you're not going out and like inviting people in. Yeah. And it is so just to validate those those thinking or that thinking in those folks who think that way, 
is like I think it's the book of Jude. Um, well, there's there's like there's all sorts of pastoral counsel from some of these biblical writers who are saying, don't even let the thought of immorality cross your mind. Yeah. Don't even let that like the sexual immoral like don't even don't even go there. So, um, going to the party for some people, especially a recovering alcoholic yeah. or somebody who's maybe a recovering porn addict or something. Somebody, there are people in this world that won't be able to handle that. They won't be able to handle going into certain situations and say, like, I just, I don't, I don't want to be there because it's going to cause me to stumble or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what we're saying, I think I want to be clear what I'm saying here is that if we look at Jesus, Jesus didn't sin. So Jesus was able to be around sinners without sinning. Mm -hmm. So we're not perfect like Jesus, but in our journey to become more whole human beings, we will get to the point where we can, we should be able to be around sinners yeah, and build relationships that bridge into the gospel to show people a better hope. Cause ultimately, I mean, I think why Jesus is so effective in around these sinners and at parties is that people, um, people who are partying, for example, like I'm just gonna use personal experience. So when I went to you and I, um, I, uh, it, I definitely was like, a sad boy lost soul for my freshman into my sophomore year. And I went to parties and I drank and did all this, you know, stuff you typically associate with college. And mo all of that I've identified was at root, it was me chasing joy. I was mm -hmm. trying to find joy. And what really turned the, uh, flipped the story for me was when I understood that Jesus was after my greater joy. Like there was actually more joy in following Jesus and becoming a Christian and believing the gospel than going to get drunk or yeah. something. Well, and I was just, I was thinking that too with partying and how people assume, I don't want to say assume, connect partying with like a kegger or tailgating or going to the bar or mm -hmm. getting hammered. Like what is, I'm not like a word guru, but at root, when you think of party, what is like, what are you thinking of? Mm -hmm. You're thinking of having fun. You're thinking of fun people. You're thinking of laughing and like you can like they call it a kid's birthday party. <laughs> like are, right. you, are you like having, <laughs> is that at a kegger? Like yeah, that's good. it's a celebration. That's good. Like like it doesn't have to be. It's just exclude like ex not excluding. It's like just erupting joy. It's mm -hmm. celebrating joy. That's right. And I've after college I moved home and like when I got saved, um, got away from alcohol and started hanging out with people that didn't drink. And it was like, I opened my eyes. I'm like, Oh, you can have fun. Right. Like you can party and do yeah. this like with root beer and like, <laughs> like <laughs> nachos, you know, right. like, right. But it's just like, you have to have like the same people that like people are that want to have fun with that. Like they're, right. they're there to have fun and not just like, thinking that there has to be a third source for the joy. Yeah. They're celebrating the moment. They're celebrating Christ. They're celebrating the relationship in the room. Yeah. I think this is the biggest, one of the biggest problems associated with Christianity. One of the biggest barriers to evangelism in my mind is that people think they need to stop having fun to come to yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, whatever. I've become a Christian, but like they, they, the, the biggest thing is that they, you're either partying as an unbeliever or you're not having fun as a believer. Like, and that was what blew up in my mind when mm -hmm. I was in college is that I was like, oh my word, like 
being a part of the church and the Jesus community was life-giving. It was full of joy. And, uh, and that, that is what I want others to see, mm-hmm. which is why I, my wife and I, like why Holly and I spend a ton of time curating our house environment and life around the table to be fun yeah. and to be joyful because, um, like, you know, like towards the end of the story of the Bible, there's the marriage supper of the lamb. Um, there's like when all of the story comes to an end and we live life in um, what the Bible calls the new Jerusalem, which is the new city, life completely restored and redeemed with Jesus. The picture is um, at the marriage supper, um, basically uh, a big giant party. <laughs> and so there's this idea in Christianity, woven into Christianity that when God invites you to into relationship, he's inviting you into something celebratory, something worth um, being happy about. And if, if, if people who don't know Jesus are trying to be happy and they're going to the bottle or they're going to drugs or they're going to porn or they're going to video games or sporting events or whatever that they think is going to be their ultimate source of joy, if we don't have anything to invite them into that's greater than that, then what's the point? Yeah. They're not going to come. I was just laughing, thinking of like marriage, like marriage supper. Like what's a wedding? It's fun. Like you go to a wedding, like the ceremony sometimes is like quiet and awkward and not like, (laughs) like super funny, but like, like you're like afterwards. This is a perfect metaphor for church. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Sometimes (laughs) coffee hour afterwards. Hey, oh, like, (laughs) (laughs) but like they're fun. And like, I know a lot of people, especially around here and I'm sure everywhere, I don't want to just like generalize Clinton, but assume a wedding when you think of a wedding reception you're like oh they have like seven kegs like open bar you know like a good wedding yeah like a good wedding (laughs) it's like you know and like they assume it that way but like at the end like i don't know if many people have been to a non-drinking wedding like it's still fun you're celebrating these people that are it's not as fun but it's fun (laughs) i mean Look, look, look. Jesus I'm, made I, water into wine. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with yeah, you, but one, I was in a wedding that yeah, yeah. was like that, so I can't like go on record and say that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it doesn't have to be, like the alcohol doesn't have to be, drunkenness yeah. doesn't have to yeah. be part of something for it to be fun. So like when you think, I guess all that to say, the huge curveball, uh, to get to, like when you're reading the Bible, it's talking about the, mer- this like, it's leading up to this wedding feast. Yes. And like, I think a lot of people that misses, I know for me, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but like, that's a party. Yes. Like God wants to bring his people together and he wants to party. Right. Like with us. That's right. And like celebrate doing life together. Right. Like now and in in heaven. Yes. The And one of my favorite dudes that uh, writes about partying, um, I have a book called, oh, what's it called? Um, Happy Hour. The book's called Happy Hour. It's just a little tiny book. This guy named Hugh Halter oh, wrote. Yeah, you're showing me that. Yeah, and um, anyways, it's he's got some interesting thoughts in there. But he he talks about how when we get together around the table, it's a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. Um, that there's going to be relationship. There's going to be laughter. There's going to be joy. Uh, there's going to be family. There's going to be intimacy and good food and and things to talk about and you know it it won't imagine what life would be like if Jesus gets his way and there's nothing bad. Yeah. Um, I think doing life around the table gives people a foretaste into what heaven will be like, and so that's why 
I really, really am excited about doing life around the table, like having people over for meals. Cause it's like, man, this is, it's supposed to be celebratory. It's supposed to be fun and joyful. Yes. Life is difficult, but, um, doing life around a meal in that moment can be a moment of rest. Maybe it's the only time in the day when you actually get your family together and you can look each other in the eye and, yeah. you know, like there's so many things, there's so many little things about, um, the table. Yeah. And I mean, anyways, go ahead. For like you, you were talking earlier about how you and Holly like spend a lot of time curating and cultivating that here. And you do. I'm totally agreeing with that. And for like a personal story for me, like I moved for people that don't know if they haven't been listening to the podcast or don't know who I am. I moved back to town in October from Austin. It was supposed to be like a short transition. Two month transition turned into uh, who knows when transition. And uh, I had been I knew Nick for years. And so I knew he was starting this church and we had met in August when I was home visiting. And I was like, hey, I want to support you any way I can. I'm not going to be in Clinton, but like, you know, I'm going to be in Denver soon. Like, how can I help support you? Like, whatever. And so I was home for a little time and I'm like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll help out Nick. I'll, I'll join with him and, and just see what, what they're doing. And, um, this was like a, has been, it's not over. Like I'm not out of the woods yet, but, um, when I first moved home and then a couple months after it was been like some of the roughest time of my life and coming in like our, our community group and our core team, like y'all just like loved me without like really even knowing me. And that was all around the table. We were sharing Mm. life and jokes and stuff around the table instead of kind of casually splitting off into different groups or conversations around the house. We were all together hearing each other's stories. And um, I think what's really powerful about that, I don't know if this necessarily relates, but I think this all stems from the table is like y'all knew me for like a month or two and I was still trying to get out to Denver and you guys were like, I don't want to say bagging, but like we're making a very hard case for me not to go. <laughs> and like, well, we ended up liking you. Well, thank you. I mean, you're <laughs> lost, but like, thank you. Uh, but all that to say is like, there's like, like life around the table, fast forwards, relationships building. Yeah. You're like, right. it's not just like casually, like, like thinking like, <laughs> Okay, think if you're like going if you're trying to date like a woman or a woman's trying to date a guy. Like you may slide into their DMs on Instagram and be like, "Oh, hey, like I like <laughs> mountains too." Or like, you know, and like slide you're just like you're like casually like just like oh. feeding yeah. and like doing stuff or like, "Oh, do you want to get coffee?" And it's like a long process if you don't know them. Like if right. it's a person you are just knowing. Like think about like that first date or whatever and you're around the table together. And then communication after that is all like, we know each other now. We yeah. can, I can feel comfortable around you. So take that around the table with people that you don't know that like are looking for salvation. They're looking for right. hope. They're looking for joy. They're looking for love. They're looking for community. Fill in the blank. Right. If you get them in around your table, like it takes away all the, <laughs> all the nonsense flirting and just like gets them here into love. Like, don't flirt and nitpick with people just to get them into the table. Just bring them into the table. Like right. invite them to the party. Right. Invite them to the party. That's a good way to put it. Actually, that's at the heart of what hospitality even means is that taking strangers 
and bringing them into a place of intimacy and relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Jesus does to us. So there's, there's a, there's a way you can think about this as I like to think of hospitality as a sacrament or party as a sacrament is that it's a way it's a, it's a moment when we can taste in the presence of God. So like, for example, communion historically, has been a practice of the church where we, uh, it's the practice that Jesus told us to continue to do, um, is take the, take the cup and the bread and break off a little piece of bread and drink a little bit of wine or grape juice or whatever. Uh, and that is supposed to help us remember the sacrifice of Christ Mm -hmm. to bring us into uh, union with the presence of God. So the sacrament or, um, you know, like, let's just say that practice, that moment is, is a very, uh, deeply metaphorical moment that gets to the very heartbeat of what God did for us. Yeah. It's the gospel in a very compressed thing. So when people are, uh, gathering at our house to eat a meal together, or if you're, you're taking somebody out for a meal or whatever, like when you're eating a meal together, uh, especially with a stranger and especially with somebody who is lost and looking for hope. That moment is sacred to God. It's it's in yeah. that moment. It's very very. You're at, you're near to the heart of the purpose of life, mm-hmm. like the entire purpose of life, because that's exactly what Jesus came to do. So that's why I think all of the good stuff happens around the table in the Bible. Yeah, you know, like the Last Supper, um, all these stories where Jesus illustrates um, why he came and the marriage supper of the Lamb and Psalm twenty three. You know, the the table that was laid in the presence of David's enemies. I mean, all of this, all all of it, man. It's like the table is just this massive metaphor. Yeah, I want to get back to kind of helping people remove the stiffing or stuffiness of Jesus when like reading this in scripture. Mm-hmm. So we were talking the other night about, or I don't remember when, about uh, Luke five mm-hmm. and Jesus calls Levi. So I can read it, or if you guys want to go read it, Luke five twenty seven. Um, so he calls, yeah, just read it. It's not a very long passage. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And after leaving everything, he rose and followed him or and leaving everything. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and other others reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples saying, why do you eat, eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mm. Um, so I think like in the middle of that, when you first read that, you kind of just read over it. And like mainly like people are like, are going to preach on Sunday about like the la- what Jesus said, like, I didn't give, come to be your doctor. I came to like heal the sick. And it's like, yeah, go out and build a hospital. And it's like all that stuff. But when you're reading between the lines, so Levi was a tax collector, not very well liked in the day, and a great feast. Yeah. If you're not having fun at a feast, like, mm-hmm. you're eating the wrong food. Right. There's just so much, like, I don't know, I guess I never really noticed this until you pointed it out to me the other day, like, reading between the lines and really, like, picturing them, there are, like, all these all these guys that are, like, kind of outcasts and, like, don't know religion or probably know the scriptures, right. but like right. aren't Pharisees and scribes. But like they're kind of like they're probably like the the guys that are rebels or like doing like 
bad things. Mm-hmm. So they like to have fun. Probably cussing. Oh, God. Telling weird jokes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and uh, and Jesus is right there with them uh-huh. at a feast, reclining at the table. Yep. Like, what do you picture Jesus as in that moment? Do you, like, if Jesus was here and, like, me and you are tax collectors and we're telling dirty jokes and uh-huh. he's cussing, like, do you think Jesus is, like, sitting there just, like, scowling? Just stone-faced. Yeah. That's a good way to picture it. I think most people think that. He's just like, oh, just get to heaven, you idiots. Yes. <laughs> Repent. Just freaking get to church. I'm just here to try to get yeah. you to church. Uh, just come on Sunday. Oh, my gosh. I find that interesting. It says that there was a, a great crowd, right? Where is this at? Luke, Luke 5. five. Um, it says that uh, great feast. A great feast. A great feast. In his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors reclining at the table. Now, when you go to the next kind of main table scene. Um, this is in Luke 10, I believe. Where am I at? Um, no, Luke For 7. Which one? Are you oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Luke 7, the sinful woman. So he, oh, yeah. he gets invited to the tax collector's house, and it's a great feast. And feasting in, the, in, the, in this day and age, in this context, was just a very, like, celebratory uh, family, like if you were at a feast, you were considered kin. It's like this, this very, it's this great moment, right? That was very full of life and relationship. Now, now when you get to the next scene, it's like he gets invited over by the Pharisees. When the Pharisees, this whole story, um, Luke is painting the Pharisees out to be uh, very suspicious of Jesus. They're like the religious do-gooders that are like, I don't know, Jesus seems to be cutting in on our turf. And we're not really sure what to think about him. So they're not really embracing him as like, like the tax collectors are like, come on over, Jesus. Yeah. Like Jesus was a man of the people, but the Pharisees were not like the commoners, the people, right? The, the Pharisees were like the sort of intelligentsia, the elite, the ones that were kind of snubbing noses, looking down on people. And and I love the way that Luke talks about, this is again kind of reading between the lines, but in Luke 7 here, uh, verse 36, it says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Like just the language there is more sterile. Uh, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And immediately it goes to this woman, this like very sinful um, charlatan, harlot woman, like that comes in off the street. She might've been a prostitute. Uh, she was probably an adulterer. Like she came in, she had a reputation and she just wrecks their dinner party. <laughs> and so I find it to be interesting the way that the story of Jesus and the tax collectors it seems more celebratory, um, and Jesus is hanging out and making friends. And in this one, it's all about that dinner being ruined. Like the nice, respectable evening mm-hmm. was ruined by this sensational sinner that comes in. I've been trying to think of the. I was thinking about the scripture all day, and I was this this specific, yeah, scripture, yeah. <laughs> and I was trying to think of a modern context of uh-huh. like. A dinner that like Jesus or, you know, fill in the blank a modern person would have been at would be at. And then like, like what would this equip or equate to be like someone coming in and like ruining, quote unquote, ruining the party, like the host would consider ruining the party. Yeah. I was trying to like think of a modern thing for people to like wrap their head around this. Yeah. Because we all get wrapped. Like when we read, read this, we don't pay attention to the Pharisees and and the um, Pharisees. (laughs) <laughs> um, we pay attention more to 
like her, like that was her worship was like pouring out and Jesus's response. And we don't necessarily like always pay attention that they were like, right. Oh no, no, this is like for us. Like, so I, the prodigal son story is also in the gospel of Luke. Mm -hmm. So it's like a huge theme that this culminates into, but the prodigal son story, it's like the older brother, the older brother sees this wayward son comes back and he's like, what, what are you laughing at? Uh, Nothing. Oh, our, te- uh, our text yesterday. Oh, the prodigal son. Oh, right. <laughs> the the prodigal son, the old one is looking at the younger one, the sensational sinner, and he's kind of like scowling. I mean, he's not kind of. He's he's not very happy that the son is being treated so generously by the father, who's just excited that this wayward son has come home. And I've I've heard of like okay, here's a really practical example. I think that happens all the time. You're a part of a nice, respectable family, a family that does well in the community and especially in a small town like Clinton, like there's good families that we can probably name names, you know, that have good reputations and people have good jobs and they go to college and they do the right thing. They're good moral people, community leaders. It'd be like one of those families having a nice evening and then one of their sons or one of their distant relatives or cousins or whatever, who has made a mess of his life comes in, with a child out of wedlock or something and, and, and just everybody was like, oh, I was hoping that what so-and-so wouldn't have shown up because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to just have a nice evening with, with our oh, family yeah, yeah, yeah. and the black sheep walks in the stinking, this dude. And, and I think instead of saying, Oh, the, this he's here. Good. Instead of saying that is like, Oh no, it's ruining a nice evening. Now we can't talk about politics freely or now we can't like whatever. It just becomes harder. I think to me that seems to be a modern day example of like this story. Like the religious leaders were trying to have a nice evening. So the part, okay, like partying to bring it, let's kind of bring it back here. So the the partying life around the table, um, the reason which we're prioritizing eating meals with intentionality is because we want to reach the lost. And reaching the lost is always messy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, and this is where the whole robot Jesus, it's important that we understand the real Jesus because robot Jesus comes in, waves his hands and everybody stops swearing and everybody cleans up their act and he can just kind of float in and uh, just boop everybody with his magic wand and everybody's going to church on Sunday morning. And that's just not how it works. Uh, Jesus goes in and these guys, if, if we know the Bible, if we read, we don't have to read very far in the Bible. The guys that end up following Jesus make a ton of mistakes. Like they just continually m- make mistakes. And when we read the, the letters, Paul's letters to the church, they're doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> they're getting hammered on the communion wine. I mean, some of these guys are having sex with like their their freaking family members and all sorts of weird stuff that you're like, this is in the church? And so the reason for that is because people are messy. Like real life, real people are messy. And Jesus steps into that mess and seeks to love and build relationships. And so that's, as a church, we're called to do that. And a lot of that happens like around the meal table. Mm-hmm. And I think, just to speak, be vulnerable here, I don't... I it's hard for me to invite somebody who's a stranger, who's far off, who's messy. It's easier for me to invite Christians over. Yeah. Hey brother, like you want to come over and eat a meal with us and we can talk about nice things and we all agree with each other. We're from the same socioeconomic status or whatever. Like 
like you and I have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do life around the table together. Whereas like some of my neighbors who I wouldn't hang out with in any other situation, we wouldn't just naturally bump into each other. Those are the types of people that I think God is called to say, hey, what would it look like for you to like actually care about them? Mm-hmm. Um, what would it look like for you to invite them into your home? And I think that that is hard. But that to me seems to be the call. So I don't know. I think that... Um, I think that the believer who wants to be missional, I think, has to tolerate a lot of um, messiness. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes, yeah, partying, being at places where there are non-Christians, like, that can be messy. Mm-hmm. And we have to use wisdom. We have to understand, like, like I said at the beginning, like, if you're a recovering alcoholic, maybe not, maybe being around somebody who's drinking is going to be triggering for you in an unhelpful way totally understand that. I think God understands that and wants you to be safe and and have victory over that, freedom over that. But by and large, what we see Jesus doing is, is saying, hey, I know life would be a lot easier if you just watched TV at night and like hung out in your house all the time and treated it as your safe place. But what would it look like for you maybe one time a month, have some people over that you wouldn't normally have over mm-hmm. or whatever? So I don't know. Do you have any other lingering thoughts on partying like Jesus? No. No. Bring your disco ball. Let's party. Bring your disco ball. Yeah. So uh, let me just leave you this. Whether you are going to our church or, or not going to our church, I think uh, I really do believe that mission, living with the mission of Jesus, reaching the lost, I really do believe that's possible. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it's doable. And I think one of the easiest, it's not easy in the sense that it's not hard, but it's the most doable, mm-hmm. simplest. Let's say simple. That's a better word. The simplest way to get on mission is being intentional with how you eat meals. Yeah. Um, so we'll leave you that. So whether you're a member at Hope City Church or not, we just hope this podcast has helped serve to, to just energize you and encourage you to live for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Clinton. <laughs>